0: So <laughs>
1: I, I wasn't on last week because I was sick Yeah. and I had, I, there was something else going on anyway. So Julie, Beth, and Jen yeah. decided to have a podcast party and I still haven't heard it yet because it doesn't come out until later today or wait, today, did mm-hmm. it come out? Today. Did I miss it? Yeah, oh, it came okay. out today. Dang, I've been busy. So all I know, I'm, and I'm kind of scared to listen to it. Is it just said, like, <laughs> boys drool and girls rule or something
2: <laughs> i may have sent a message to the whole group saying girls rule, boys drool yeah. yeah it was so
1: much Which fun not that y'all,
0: y'all aren't fun too but yeah you all guys' to podcast was just extra. no that was
1: definitely a microaggression extra fun that's all i'm saying <laughs> i felt i was sad
2: <laughs> we right. wanted you to really feel left out in that so i'm bringing my <laughs> fun
1: Uh, this is going to be fun, Kevin. We're going to have all new sound effects new (laughs) on times. Let's get started. Welcome to market proof marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at do you convert where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at do Welcome to episode 307. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Julie Jarnigan and Beth Russell. Hello. Hello. Who wants to start off story time today?
0: Uh, I can start. Um, Yeah, what is a wooble? (laughs) A wooble. So a wooble is a little crocheted stuffed animal, basically. So what happened was that we made new phone rules for the kids because um, grades were slipping a little bit. Everybody was on their phones. But when you make rules about how much you can be on screens for your kids, that means that you also cannot sit there in the evenings and scroll your phone. And so I was like, well, I need something when I don't want to read or whatever, another option to do. So I got influenced on Instagram. I I don't know if you've ever seen their little crocheted, it's a little packet and it's supposed to teach you to crochet, which I learned to crochet like 10 years ago, but it had been forever and I'd never done anything like that, but they are marketing geniuses. They are so smart because number one, the little, the little thing kits they send you are expensive. Like they cost more than if you went and bought your own stuff, but you don't have Mm -hmm. to figure it out. They just send it as is. Then you scan a little code and they, the videos are like super beginner. Like you do this step first, then you do this step, then you do this step. It's very, and then if you have a question and it can't answer it, it gives you an email address and a phone number of who to contact to ask your question to. So it's very, very much like, um, walks you through it. And then now I've learned that they always have something new because they have all these limited editions. Like they'll, market to you like the Frankenstein that's only a limited time and then I'm sure they'll come out. So they're just very smart marketers. And after I bought my first one, I was like, well, next time I make something, I'll just buy it all myself. But then you love it so much because it's so easy and they do everything for you. And it starts with the little ring and everything that I'm like, they're smart. They're smart. I'm just going to send you my (laughs) money because you made it so easy and so fun.
1: Because you're not on your phone. Is the TV on or is there music? Are we going no, full j- pioneer, I mean, just, like gas well, lamps? They, and...
0: No, the kids are around. So, I mean, it's like family time. They're doing whatever okay. they're doing. So it's very, you know, it's whatever. We're all sitting in the living room. But it was one of those things, like if you can't be on your phone and you're tired at night and you just want to sit on the couch, mm-hmm, it's like you mm-hmm. don't want to just sit on the couch and all like stare at each other. So it's nice to have something to do. So that's been my thing is a yeah. wiggle. Um, no. So it's fun. It was, fun. I love it was that. a fun that thing level... to learn.
2: Of follow-up and like detail that they provided and like, and then a resource for help because I was that person that tried to teach myself to crochet me and my mm-hmm. daughter were both like on a mission and we're going to learn how to do this. And I could get like the first row and the second row, but like, I tried to build a square and I was just like, I'm, I keep doing the wrong thing. I'm losing count
0: I don't, and I'm watching this video, but it's not helping. And then I just mm-hmm. gave up. Yeah, and then you it find one video that helps and then you can never find it again, you know, because yes. I went through that too when I taught myself. So um, they're smart smart marketers. And now I want to you know? try them. You're influencing me. I know. I'm influencing and people. People have messaged me. <laughs> I did message the, you.
1: I saw it and I messaged you. I'm always <laughs> the genius of artificial scarcity, which is, again, part of what Presale Without Fail is built around Around information in, in that case. Um, and actually maximizing the true uniqueness of each and every home site, but like how many, are they really limited by how many Frankensteins they can create for you yeah, to no. crochet together? Nope. No. Yeah. But it's just like the McRib or anything else. It's like back for a limited time, the shamrock shake, the, I'm sure the grimace will be back at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it, more people should do it. Why not have a limited edition or plan? Yeah. Or, or stand, a limited edition standard option or optional mm-hmm. option. Mm-hmm. That's cool.
2: I like that better than limited incentives since the incentives
1: are never limited. <laughs> yeah. And again, just because you're saying limited doesn't mean it has to be truly limited. That's mm-hmm. just how you talk about it. I love it. Yep. Beth, what do you got?
2: Um, I had a really great conversation with a marketer this morning who is struggling to find that marriage between making salespeople feel involved and as though they have influence over not marketing, but things moving. (laughs) They they have contribution. They want to feel as though they are contributing and setting boundaries of what their contribution should look like. So I had this epiphany moment during the conversation of it's like when you have a buyer come in and they want to make a change to the house or they want to put their own personal twist on the house, you do that within boundaries. You do that within a set number of restrictions that you have as a company, because not only is it something that you can actually do that, you know, fits within the um, constraints of the, the plan and the limitations you have as an organization. And so... We are constantly telling our customers that they have to live within these boundaries that that we set for them, but we're not doing that internally as a team, especially when it comes to marketing and that conversation between sales and marketing. So in this example, we were talking about Facebook. We were talking about, you know, um, on-site team members having their own Facebook and putting their content out there. And they should do that within the boundaries set by The marketing team because they are representing the brand and the marketing team should be the protectors of that brand. If that salesperson leaves and all of a sudden the messaging changed, or you can't get that Facebook page back and it has your name attached to it in 10 different ways, or if they're sharing content that you can't get because they're not sending it and sharing it to you, you're just hurting your brand and hurting your company. So allow them to participate, allow them to feel the um level of contribution that they they can but do it within the boundaries that you set for them.
1: Yeah. It's team members are not children. What I mean by that is I I have four kids. If all four kids when they were 2 years old, let's say they were all 2-year-olds at the same time and they all drew pictures. Doesn't matter what the picture looks like, I put it on the fridge. Everyone gets a picture on the fridge. You do not have to put everyone's picture on the fridge. and but there is this tension of we should be curating and crowdsourcing from any available team members. And how you do that is tricky because you don't want to muck up like where marketers go to work in your CMS system, in your well-organized um, folders and, and files of images and videos, etc. You don't want to muck that up with a hundred different people sending you, Mostly mediocre stuff. Mm-hmm. So you do have to find ways to allow people to contribute without promising that you'll hit publish. Yep. But the, the people who are good at it, their stuff gets published. That becomes a reinforcing mechanism to encourage them to do it more. Mm-hmm. And the people who keep trying but aren't quite getting there, when when you or the team has time, you can train and try to, you know, show them how to do it better because they want to do it better. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that employees, generally speaking, they don't feel like it's co-opting to take the company's name or their community name and say, this is the page of this thing. It's like, well, it's mine. I'm just doing it. It's just me. Like, well, then Mm -hmm. you would just do it on your personal page if it was just you. So there, there does have to be some recognition that like you are actually using that intellectual property as your own.
2: That's exactly what we're talking about. Like, They can brand themselves in terms of an expert in the real estate world or new construction whatever. That's fine. If they, as a salesperson, they want to brand themselves, I'm fine with that. Where I get frustrated is where they are branding themselves without acknowledging the fact that they are a subset of another brand and what they are selling is not theirs. It is of this home builder. Their product is not theirs. And so you can't take your name and put it on something that is not yours.
1: That's fair. My my story time is my new favorite saying, um, or a thing to try to help marketers train themselves to say more frequently in meetings or discussions with others, which is, huh, that's interesting. What data point did you reference to come to that conclusion? Hmm. That's interesting. What data point did you reference to come to that conclusion? Because anytime the market gets tough, all the feelings come out everywhere. All of the, I'm the expert. I'm closer to the customer. That's the stuff we tend to hear from the set. Like I'm talking to customers. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I know. Or um, what we heard from one individual was, I just can't believe that there's only X number of people who are interested in a new home of a certain price point to be built over the next year in this one specific location. And like, almost no matter what people tell you, I think it's a great response. Be prepared for that on my calls with you, if you're listening.
2: I feel like I would pay to just be in a room where you ask somebody that question so I could just watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because either they're, I mean, it's it's always going to be good and not like, we're not trying to trick people, but maybe they have a data point, but they're looking at it incorrectly, Mm -hmm. meaning like cancellation rate historically is one of those where people can look at that incorrectly and they're, they're like, I'm so proud our cancellation rate is 0% this year. Uh, maybe not something to be proud of if you're trying to you know get the, the number of sales you want to hit. So it might just be that they have the right metric, but they're looking at it incorrectly or they're comparing it. In, so that's a teachable moment then. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I totally understand how you came to that conclusion. It's just There's this other nuance that let me help you understand, or you know, on the side, I'll send you other information about to clarify. Or they're gonna say, Well, I don't know. I don't, it's just how I feel. And then that just leads me back down the path of okay, so we don't have a data point, but what you're saying is that you need help with this problem. It goes back to taking things out of the tactical and back to the strategic level. Again, I think that's that to me is the healthy boundary. We Mm -hmm. want to talk strategically with partners in any, any silo of the organization.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. We want to talk strategically all the time, but just like, I don't ask them, which closing technique did you use? Are you sure that was the right one saying, Hey, I think we should use this specific platform with this kind of a budget, with this kind of a message in order to solve this, this challenge, that's where things go sideways. So when they don't have any data point, it's like, awesome. So really what it is is you're just saying that this, this is a problem that you don't know how to overcome except to solve it this way. And most of the time they're like, yeah, that's good. Can you help me with that? Yes, I can help you. I'm going to end up helping you by again, separately outside of a group scenario, walking you down a different better way to get there than maybe your original in, initially were thinking of, mm-hmm. but I don't, I can't think of a bad outcome of that question being answered. That's why I love it so much.
0: No, and actually you all are putting together two things that I love with your story time. So, and Kevin, you know, this, that Steve Shoemaker used to, when a salesperson would come to him and say, we need more signs or we need an event. He had a little form that he would give them to fill out that said, um, okay, like what would it be? What would the goal of that be? What is this data? Which did a few different things. They either. It wasn't important enough for them to even fill out. So then we didn't have to worry about it or mm-hmm. it actually highlighted. What is the thing they're trying to solve? And is that the best way to solve it? Or, or we can, can we help in another way? Um, which is combined y'all's two story times to me that it's like making them forcing people to, to look at that, you know, the data and the problem and that, and then come up with the best solution for that.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's interesting to juxtapose this in all of the branding conversation that happened around the summit this year and, and mm-hmm. post and how important that can be and how it can lift revenue and it can lift profitability and it can increase absorption and that all those things are true. And yet the first for something that's already been launched to the world and you don't have that laboratory time, uh, you know, back to your blog post, Beth, about the, the drug industry and all the research and prep that goes into it. Mm-hmm. If something's already out in the wild, the actual best thing to do is to clarify in as extreme a way as possible, exactly what the offering is to let it, to, to make it e- more easily discoverable by the audience that wants it. Yeah, That's always the first place to go is, are we trying to be too cute? Are we trying to overcomplicate this? Are we maybe semi-embarrassed of something that we don't want to talk about? Instead of just saying, which you would never say it this way. We are the least expensive, cheapestly built home that will allow you to have roof over your head in the school to church you want. That's not a tagline anyone's going to use, mm-hmm. but if that's what you offer, like the clarity of that speaks to a certain audience, and if and if there's enough of those people, then you win. If it's easy enough to and and but oftentimes what comes back is there isn't, mm-hmm. and that's when people think we're just going to you know Jedi mind trick them into purchasing something that they don't want or can't afford.
2: Are you guys seeing the same in your builder's data that I'm seeing? Because this came up twice today with mine, of the broad messaging incentive versus the, like you just talked about, the very specific messaging incentive right now. Um, You know, I have a builder, one that has a dollar amount listed on, on their incentive. It is still converting higher than their website, but at nearly 2%, whereas another builder with a more pointed, messaging about their incentive and what I mean by that is a actual mortgage rate listed in their their prime messaging, that's converting at a steady like 10% plus in comparison. And I think it's like one of the theories that I have behind that, especially right now is that because um, one of the marketers just recently asked me, well, that confuses me when I see this whole page broken down of all these mortgage rates and the APR. And that's a lot for me. And that confuses me. And for me, I think a dollar amount is just easier to understand. Well, I know what $10,000 means. I know what $15,000 means. But then I, I reminded them that, you know, what is this buyer seeing in their everyday life? What is all over the news right now? What is like everyone telling them the realtor telling them their, their mortgage broker telling them, it's the mortgage rates. Like they are, that is what they are inundated with in everyday life, Mm -hmm. especially if they're searching for homes. And so when they see this very specific messaging of a lower rate, they're like, Oh wait, that's interesting. And psychologically they're more likely to click on it because they know what that means versus what does $10,000 my way mean to me? How is that going to help me right now?
1: I think the real problem is that people don't understand when things need to be handed off to the next part of the process. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by You've been by waiting that... to use that. <laughs> I have, um, I don't use the negative. I have like them grouped by positive and negative sounds. And I, I just don't use the negative sounds very much because people sometimes accuse me of being glass half empty, which I think is insane. That's not how I live at all. But, um, they want, they want the landing page to sell the house and overcome objections. All mm-hmm. and We talk about this in the world of online sales all the time. The whole point is to have a conversation that moves people forward and makes that connection to on-site sales. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the goal. That's, that's also the goal of everything you're doing from a marketing and advertising standpoint. And yet, again, and this is the theme that I think is going to continue until sales become easier, is right now the challenge is that sales management... Or sales VPs are getting more involved in messaging as well, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, 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 you have to overcome this objection on the landing page and get a lead, because yep. we don't want, we don't want, we just don't want more conversations with people. We want yep. conversations with people who are ready to buy. Yeah, because that's what I keep hearing in the, in the data and and the qualitative conversations is, the vast majority of builders, I would say, eighty percent. No, no, we still have plenty of activity. We have plenty of activity on site. In particular, we have enough appointments. Mm-hmm. We just can't get that final conversion to take place. And so, mm. that's where you just have to under, help everyone understand that the point of the promotion or the incentive is to begin a conversation, not yeah. to not to, you know, get them to the point where they're just ready to sign the dotted line. So i I don't i I would say, Beth, that you don't have to have an either or, mm. but. Like anything else, we should constantly be saying, do you want to dig into more of this on your own? Or are you just ready to go do the fun stuff and make the connection yeah. and, and take the next step and go on site or visit, have an appointment? Um, you can always go deeper, but most people don't want to dig deeper into the financing. It's certainly not at the top end of the funnel. and that's, yeah. that's the other thing I would say is that generally still what I'm seeing anyway is that there is no incentive that's bringing vast number of new people to the market. It's still speaking primarily to that middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel.
2: Say it again, it's Kevin.
1: Which is important because, again, the number of people in your CRM system from the last two and a half years is enormous. Mm-hmm. And so finding that right message that gets those people to respond and re-engage is arguably more important than trying to find the new people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've also talked to a lot of builders recently about surveying the people that haven't moved forward to find out, like, what is the challenge, most challenging part of this market right now and holding them back, or why didn't they go with them to find out, like, we talked a lot about some about the one to one, right? The personalization and things like that. And I think those survey results will tell them, going back to market research, will tell them that it's not the top level stuff that's interrupting them. It's the middle stuff that's interrupting them. It's the okay. Well, I have the timeline doesn't match up. I have to go here. I, you know, just there's more going on than I think we think, and we can't solve it all at the top.
1: Right. Yeah, but there's there's so many ways I want to go, but we've got a lot of news articles too. Do I want to do I want to pull us backwards on that? Yeah. Just okay. A bit. So, here, well, just a little bit more. So the reason that new community launches tend to fail is that people don't know how to activate the list. Building the list is typically never the problem. If it is, just call us or email, show it to youconvert.com. We'll help you understand. Getting people on the list generally is never the hardest part. The hardest part is activating them properly. And it's because they're like people who just give it their best shot. They're like, well, we sent everyone an email and no one showed up or we only got three appointments. Send another one. Okay. okay sent another email and we got five more but that's it it's really we're still really sad did we call everybody no okay now we're gonna call you know just layering that stuff on and there's no it's no different with incentives especially to the database you already have Mm -hmm. why would you resend the same exact message with a bigger font size at the top this time and be like no now really pay attention to this so i guess the other part i'm trying to say beth is you do have to pick something you have to try it, but it doesn't have to stay that way for the whole month. Or if you're going to be emailing people twice or three times during the month, Mm
0: -hmm. one that's text
1: only, one that's curated from marketing, um, maybe something towards realtors, look at different aspects of the same message. Mm -hmm. So your first time, maybe you are talking about the interest rate. And then the second time to everyone who didn't open up or interact with the first one, you are talking about monthly payment, or you are talking about a different testimonial about how this incentive made buying possible from someone mm-hmm. who bought last month, I think both with new community launches and with communication of promotions, mm-hmm. people are stuck in neutral or first gear yeah. and they don't just keep, you got to be that squirrel trying to break into the, into the bird feeder. Like, how are we going to make this happen? Keep yeah. trying different and message, different message. That
2: being said, like the different message is important, but also like avoid the whole $10,000 this month. Okay. Now it's $15,000. Now it's $20,000. Like it's clearly something's not working. If, if that messaging isn't working, like, let's try a different, like you're saying, try a different route. Yeah. Don't just keep going with the same route and upping the dollars because that is not resonating with them.
1: Yeah. I saw someone um, is offering real estate agents of 5% or 6% commission. I'm just like, Oh my, that's like classic in those markets that are struggling, by the way, mm-hmm. um, you all know who you are. All all of the builders that we work with have said, Yeah, I've reached out to to the general real estate community and they're all like, We got no buyers for you. Like there's no one here. We don't have anyone to work with ourselves. Yeah. So giving them extra money isn't making people show up for them either. Nope. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, the, the joke in art school was if you can't, if you're not a good artist, do it big. If you're really bad, do it red. And if you suck at art, make it big and red. It's just like, just scream out louder, bigger, stronger. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right, first up from searchengineland.com. And uh, Olivia, if we can cue in uh, Eminem's uh, song, like, Guess Who's Back or Controversy? We need a little controversy. Here's some controversy. Google is <laughs> accused of downplaying ad price manipulation. So they're being sued. They've got a couple different problems right now, Google does, around um, antitrust and also this um, inflation of ad prices. Some advertisers believe that Google is quietly inflating ad prices by 100%, a stark contrast to the 5% suggested by the search engine. Um, the search engine has admitted at the federal antitrust trial that it frequently inflates ad prices by as much as 5% without telling advertisers, sometimes 10 And everyone's saying, yeah, baloney, we think it's up to a hundred. Now I want to get your two takes, but I just want to, for the audience, Google's take on this is basically, Hey, you're telling us what your maximum cost per click is, what what you're okay with it being. And so, you know, we might just add a little bit, but it's still going to be under what you told us you were happy to pay per click. So Mm -hmm. all is fair, right? And it's just five, 10%. It's like a rounding error.
0: Well, number one, it's just the fact that there's no transparency that you're saying it's one thing we're calling it an auction, but it's kind of an auction and it's kind of, we're setting whatever we want. Um, the second is is that that's tied into that. They're, they're inflating the things to meet their own revenue goals. Um, Hmm. which I mean, obviously that's a conflict right there that doesn't help, um, advertisers and then. Also, I just wonder, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but really they're setting pricing on impressions where we're looking at it as just clicks. If it was a pure auction, it would feel like it was just clicks, but how they're raising and lowering prices without telling us is more on clicks and ad quality. So I think they're trying to say, well, we're Mm -hmm. just trying to raise the quality, but it's leaving us out of that equation, you know, the advertisers out of the equation, they're benefiting themselves with that.
1: Yeah. I wonder, I think I, I think I follow where you're going there. You went as nerdy as you can get, which I <laughs> for, love. For me. <laughs> no, just, just period. Uh, Cause I am like, again, I'm like the cat hanging on the branch. Like, I think I know what she's going. I think maybe this is also just Google doing a terrible job of explaining because mm-hmm. to your point, it's not just who bids the most money. Yeah. the two bids the most money and has the most relevant ad that typically gets clicked the most. Mm-hmm. So there are certainly other things beyond financial measures, but that's really not what Google said. Even if that's what they meant, like hey, mm-hmm. there's other factors here. What they, whoopsie, what you said was, um, no, we just inflate prices by five to ten percent if we're if we believe that we can make the money on it. Now, Google, by the way, you know, of all of the major tech organizations, Google generally scores pretty well in trust with consumers and i can't explain why um they Mm -hmm. rolled out there's a phone i think it was the google pixel 5 or something like that i was reading or watching a marquise brownlee youtube video on this where they said hey um you buy the phone and for one monthly fee you can get youtube premium youtube tv all these different like six different features and every two years you'll get a free upgrade of your phone to the latest Google pixel. It was called like Google one or something. Uh Guess what program they canceled and terminated just a month or two before the two year mark. Like these are some shady folks and they get, they get away with it based upon the, Hey, we try lots of things and then we shut things down when it's not working. Uh But they're like, and like their logo should their, their tagline should be Google. Um, the warehouse of empty promises. PS, we're also really good at search and, and video. Like they, they do some things really well, but they're not to be trusted. And we even started today on our call with Andrew. He's Mm -hmm. like, who's seeing this other warning, warning message now that they're adding onto accounts. That's basically saying, uh, you're more money on your bids. Yeah. the, The person managing your account might not be doing you a favor by doing it this way, even though, and this is, we just kind of passed this article around. Where it was like, exactly. That's why we manage bids the way we do, mm-hmm. because you cannot give Google control. Yeah, It's just like clear as day that they don't. Also, did you see, by the way, the Amazon like admitted that they um, raised prices by like up to 30, 40% on products that they believed they could uh, during the pandemic. Mm. Just like, eh, let's just make more money. When yeah. We can. Well, that's what they They call do. it greed, greedflation, <laughs> um. which-
2: Speaking of Amazon, you know, their second Prime Day just wrapped up. And my favorite thing about Prime Day is that you look at the price and then it says like original price, like the price it normally is. But if you go to Camel, Camel, Camel and look at the price history, that the average price is actually like closer to the Prime Day deal. Mm -hmm. And they just knocked it down like a dollar or two. Like it's all, it's all manipulation, which is how marketers get such a bad name.
1: Yeah. Yeah, can we not call it that marketing? It needs to be another word. No, I'm just kidding. Bad Google. Google. I mean, it's still, it's still, and that's again, you just need control. You need, you need really limited keywords. You need manual bidding on terms. Performance max campaigns are from the devil. Say it loud, say it proud. Okay, next up from Redfin.com, fifty nine percent of recent home buyers say that purchasing a house is more stressful than dating. It's been a while, so I'm going to, I mean, I don't know what dating's like, but baby boomers are most likely to say the opposite because, again, they haven't dated in a while maybe either, with nearly half saying that dating is more stressful than home buying. Divorce and finding a new job are the only two listed life events that a majority of respondents said are more stressful than purchasing a home.
0: This was weird. I mean it was a yeah. weird survey. Like potty training a child was on the list of yeah. things.
2: It, I, getting into college, like very specific getting into college. But yeah, no, I I when this first came out, that was exactly what I said, Julie. I was like, potty training?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think this is a little clickbaity. Like what we can can we do that I, maybe people will. I click agree on? with you, but look, look at
1: some of these. Some of these are fascinating because we typically talk about how broken the the like processes of buying a car. Yeah. And yet 66% of people said buying a home was more stressful than buying a car. And mm-hmm. let me let's so I agree, clickbaity maybe things um position in a way for extreme effect, but why do we think like just the top line truth of buying a home is really stressful. Um, and it might be like stupidly obvious, but let's just name out some things. Why we think it's really stressful.
0: Spending a lot of money is very stressful. Yep. Um, a lot of money. Of mortgage. Getting a mortgage and answering all those questions and figuring out, maybe you don't know all the answers to all the things you should know is stressful. Yep. Moving is stressful. Beth knows this. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and I talked about
1: before, like it's not just the physicality of moving, it's the mental reorganization that has to occur of everything needs a new habit. You know, like just how you walk out of bed and into your bathroom, your brain has to relearn. Mm-hmm. So it's taxing. Yep. Uh there's no opportunity for trade in, like no, no take backs. Right. Like I'm just gonna try it for a week. So you're stuck with your decision for a period of time.
2: Yeah. You can't have a first date with a house that you're buying.
1: What about the shopping process? Like that's all the stuff after you buy or as you're buying, but that's where you're like lack of options, Beth.
2: Yeah. Lack of options right now. I mean, um, to the approval of many builders, that new construction is the way a lot of people are going just because the lack of resale inventory available or, affordable resale inventory that's available um, and affordable factoring in mortgage rates, of course. Um, And, and just like, okay, well, if I have to move what is out there and I'm staying on my street right now, the trouble of selling their house, if they have to sell their house in order to move to this new house Um, that is very stressful.
1: I think just the, the interaction with humans generally is not good. I'm just saying again, getting phone calls to be returned, getting questions mm-hmm. answered, feeling like you're not a bother when you do have right. a question or need an answer. That's a whole of I, can of worms. so I, I guess to me, the bigger thing that I think is interesting to think about in relationship to this article is is the reason how much of this is stuff that we could be doing better mm-hmm. versus, to the, a lot of things we went to early on of it's a lot of money. It's a big decision. You can't redo it quickly. Those, those things we can't necessarily change, but like if you, if a builder did all the things, just all the things to make the experience as good as possible, Mm -hmm. do you think home buying would still be top, top of the list other than dating?
2: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. And because without
0: biases. (laughs) Exactly. And because it's not just home builders too, you know, it's the existing world too. So we can fix our little, or we can try to fix our little Mm -hmm. corner of the world of home buying, but can we fix, you know, dealing with realtors and losing out on a house you thought you had and the mortgage process?
1: some people would say I'm being stubborn on like sitting on this awkwardly, but let me just shift it to something else that that you both know way more about than me. D- giving birth to a child. <laughs> is that stressful? Yes. It
2: depend- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I, I don't know the situation where it isn't because, and again, from, from my stupid vantage point, it's like, we've had great hospital experiences. We've had good nurse experiences. We've had good mm-hmm. food experiences. We've had good comfortable, uh, Beds, like all the things you can take, but it's st- there's still because of the amount of change involved.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I actually don't. I'm not trying to go negative, but I I don't think it's pot. I think the stress will always be there. It's how you manage and respond to the stress versus trying to take it away. Maybe that's where I, I, I think a lot of the focus is. Like we're going to do these things and remove all the stress. Uh-huh.
0: Well, and a lot of the stress comes. The stress is the uncertainty of not knowing how it's going to go. So it's oh. so it's going to be str- even if it goes great, even if mm-hmm. your house has no problems, you don't know that beforehand. So you're going to stress about all the problems that can happen uh, bef- yeah. before yeah. it yeah. happens. <laughs> and that's why moving has been
2: consistently, consistently one of the biggest stressors in someone's life. And it's because just the simple act of moving is stressful enough. But then right now you're layering in a lot of other issues that the stress is never going to go away. Like you both just said, but there's ways that we can respond better to it or help people respond better to it um, that are a little bit more creative that maybe we haven't explored yet. Like the, the most stressful part about having a child and purchasing a new home is the stuff that happens after having a child. It's the healing. It's the bringing the baby home, adjusting to a new life. It's the no sleep. It's the feeding issues. It's all of that all happening at once. And then for moving and closing on a home, then you have to move. You have to hemorrhage more money. You have to get used to a new house. Yeah. You have to unpack your stuff. Okay, Ask so, me how so many boxes I still have.
1: T- time out for a second. Because <laughs> I love it. Cause again, I'm 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 just a guy who doesn't know much. So imagine in this scenario of you having a kid. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you come home, your partner says, hey, I'll be back for a 30, 60, 90, 120 day inspection, but you figured this out. How would, that, how would that go down? Terrible. Right. So I think we just solved a, a bunch of things for a bunch of people here is yeah. we know that the stressful part often comes after moving in. Mm-hmm that trigger moment where you're like, oh my gosh, my kid just punched a hole in the door or like this new thing is being destroyed before my eyes, or I found something that they missed and they're probably going to say my kid did it and they, they didn't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, but it's clear as day that that's where the vacuum occurs in terms of the builder's interaction with the customer.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Is this also your subtle way of, of announcing we're going to have like a parental leave policy now
1: too? <laughs> uh, we have one. We have one actually. Are right, you talking right, about right. spousal policy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, so I think the the post event is is a big part of it. And the other thing that I was considering talking about as my story time was I took my oldest to visit college college for the first time on Monday. And she's, you know, constantly, she's a junior, so she's got time to figure this out. But she's constantly like, I just can't wait to get out of high school, get to the next phase. Like, I'm ready to be an adult. Give it to me. Let me out. And she wasn't super excited about this first school we were going to because it there's only like 3,000 kids on the campus. And um, it's in Indiana, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But she had done some research and she thought she was ready. And, and like, this was all going to be beneath her. And then I, <laughs> she texts me at 6 a.m. the next morning after spending the night in the dorm. And I was like, how'd it go? She's like, oh, the, you know, the dorm is awesome. All the people here are super nice. I love it. But I'm just so freaking happy that I have two more years because I am not ready for college. Like, I'm not ready no. to be all on my own, do my own things, be in this place where I don't know anyone else. Like, I need, I need time to go back. And like, she's also like, I just appreciate the community I have and, and the people I know at school and- I'm going to maximize those next two years of relationships with those people because I know now, like I can see the change. So part of this is also the, um, we talk and have talked and will continue to talk a lot about inoculation being an important aspect of what you do is setting expectations. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet, like, did you set expectations well enough or not? I don't think can be defined by simply what the customer's reaction always is.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because you can tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them, but they're still going to have a reaction mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. And you just got to be ready for it and and be available.
2: Well, I think what you said there too, like um, you can tell them and tell them and tell them. Oftentimes they're only telling them once and expecting them to remember. That doesn't work either.
1: And, and once through one format. Yep. Like, Everyone knows email, and everyone's scared to keep sending emails. And you do have to make sure it stands out above the clutter. But the number of emails that I get just from my kid's school on a weekly basis, exhausting. And then you know you're you're you get one email from the builder about an important milestone that gets sent to spam or junk, and and then you're just internally your team is incredulous. Like, don't why don't customers just understand they need to come prepared for this thing? Maybe if it's important enough, you should tell them more than once from more than one method. Where's your sound right. effect? So <laughs> from nowbam.com. Um I, I this is an interesting, it's a like inman-like publication, but they like to go edgy and they have a YouTube channel and I watch some of them and the guy, one of the guys is kind of a weird jerky. So anyway, just keep that in mind as we talk about the article. But Homes.com has claims, this is not the headline, but I'm adding this, Homes.com claims it has hit 100,000 monthly visitors. Mm-hmm. Zillow's rivalry heats up. So Homes.com is uh, owned by CoStar, and their goal, they say, uh, Andy Florence is the CEO, says, hey, we're going to be the number one syndication platform for residential homes. And they claim that they hit 100 million unique visitors uh, last month. Realtor.com and Redfin reported 74 million unique. So that would put them in uh, second place. And Redfin reported 52 for the quarter. Um, So that's by the quarter. And they're saying 100 million in a month. Now, here's what's interesting. Is this would be a 1290% increase in traffic year over year for the site. So... I don't, I can't recall if it's mentioned this article or not, but I think both Zillow and Realtor.com are like, uh, heads or, or some other third party that they probably pay or nudged and were like, Hey, can you help us refute this? They're like, yeah, that doesn't quite seem right. Cause the prior month they had like 70 million where I should find the exact numbers, but basically they increased by like almost all of the traffic that Realtor.com gets in a month by a month. Mm. Is what they're claiming. Mm-hmm. So take it with a grain of salt, but they are. Everyone does seem to agree that they are trending now. Have have either one of you spent any time on Homes.com? Mm-hmm.
0: Just I after act- reading this article, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually
2: had been on there because I used to use the HomeSnap app,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. Homes.com is now they acquired HomeSnap, Snap, whatever. Yep. And so when I went to go use the Home Snap app it was like we're now homes.com you got to go download a whole new thing and all this stuff and at first i was like nah but then i looked at it but then it didn't have the same amount of data
0: that i used to get
2: in the same format so then i was just disappointed
0: and i did go google um homes in Mandeville, louisiana which is where i uh, live to see if they came up in the paid search which they did so also you have to wonder how much of this is just, did they take one month push as much advertising dollars as they could in that one month? Right. Uh, because Zillow doesn't, didn't come up in the paid search. And I mean, maybe they do have some and it just didn't come up in that one, but, um, and just in that one month to have these numbers to show investors yeah. and all those different people. So it doesn't mean that organically more people are going there than Zillow. Like there's ways they can weight those numbers. Sure.
1: Sure. And there already are platforms that um, we know basically get almost all their traffic from paid activity, um, name, names that you would know. I think what's really interesting about their approach is, um, and I'll share it for those of you watching the video, this is a, a listing nearby and they say, shots fired to uh, to, to Zillow in particular, I think, no yeah. fake agents on homes.com. <laughs> so it shows the listing agent. Buffy Patterson, her phone number. And then it says no fake agents. We connect you directly to the listing agent who knows the home best, no cold calls, robocalls, calls, or spam from random agents. Mm-hmm. And that's their whole thing is you're listing your lead and their belief is that the best customer experience is to get you in touch with the person who knows that home, the best mm-hmm. now are all agents the Kind of agents we want to work with who really do know the home they list really well inside and out, not necessarily. I think that's the first kind of flaw. And the second is if Buffy doesn't pick up the phone, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if she's the most knowledgeable. So I yeah. think that'll be interesting to see how their strategy pushes out. But
2: from a consumer standpoint, I appreciate that message better than the message that they're pushing. And I even just sent you all. In the chat that we'll have to provide on the notes but on their website they are pushing the same message of we are the fastest growing site in the industry they have all these graphs and all this stuff of why they're so much better and they're moving so much faster but like what you just said is like way more interesting to me from a both a realtor and consumer standpoint because i can't tell you how many times we would be moving and i'm just frantically trying to get any listing information that I can get before I talk to a realtor because I like to do my own research and I would accidentally submit the question on Zillow's like promoted realtor versus the actual listing realtor. And Mm -hmm. most people don't know that you have to like go into the list. If there's like a small, very particular place, you have to click to actually get in touch with the realtor that is listing the property, both rental and
1: um, resale. So I like that part from a consumer standpoint. (laughs) Yeah. If again, that person ever responds to you, yeah, I just, true. they seem like, and anyone from homes.com who wants to come on the podcast would love to have you, uh, to talk through this. It seems like they're just on the offensive to try to sw- like swing as hard as they can and see what sticks, like yeah. just putting on here millions of free leads. hmm <laughs> Billions in commission value. Yeah.
0: What, what's the data point you're using for that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Good job, there we're going to use Kevin's question. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like millions of free leads delivered since 2004 when we, for home snap or someone like, what does that, what does that mean?
2: Yeah. It's giving desperate.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of desperate from CNBC.com, the housing industry, in air quotes, urges Powell, Jerome Powell to stop raising interest rates or risk an economic hard landing. This, this, Whenever this stuff happens, I'm always just like, are we really spending time on this? I mean, I guess people should do it. It probably is helpful. But the National Association of Home Builders, the Mortgage Bankers Association, and the National Association of Realtors all wrote to the Fed to convey profound concern about the industry. The group asked the Fed not to contemplate further rate hikes and not to actively sell its holdings of mortgage-backed securities. Uh, Not selling securities would, in theory, help hold down uh, mortgage rates. And obviously, not increasing short-term rates might also help mortgage rates. But it just is like, Jerome Powell doesn't work for you. So it's kind of like my neighbor, if if I had a neighbor who would be like, hey, I'm going to write you a letter, and I'm also going to get the local butcher to sign on, and we would like you to chop down that tree because we just think that tree is ugly. I'd be like, "That's cool. Uh, you're, you don't own my land, so no." Like, I, I what does this really do?
2: Uh,
1: Great and also, question. Aren't they? All, aren't they all? I think all these three industry uh, things are also actively running messaging saying, "There's never been a better time to buy." was like wow how's it both i don't know can you tell i don't like political anything <laughs> yeah like enough, yeah
0: they had lobbyists that. that needed something to do it was like when the um all the people came together against ai they wrote the letter against ai when like they've used ai forever you know it's kind of the same
1: yeah the same feeling Right, also the people who are against (laughs) AI are the people who are already leading the field in AI and would like all competition coming from other places to be harder.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like a different version of that.
1: For those of you who are are playing along at home with the AI game, like what Meta is doing with Llama 2, which is an open source LLM, is basically trying to say, hey, we're going to... If you're going to try to make it hard for the little guys to compete against you, we're just going to make open-source AI software available for people to use... That will build almost taking a play out of Google's uh, playbook with Android, like, yeah, in Nokia, you, you stink at building software to run phones. We'll just build software for you because we're a software company. Um, Okay. Moving right along from Inman. Remax becomes the third major firm to distance itself from NAR. Announcing details of its settlement in the Bombshell Commission lawsuit, the franchisor said agents and brokerages have the freedom to set and or or negotiate commissions as they see fit and will no longer require realtor membership as part of um, working with them or for them. So that follows Redfin, um, Anywhere, and now REMAX, Um, all saying NAR, we're not sure um, that we can continue. Well, we're saying, we're not going to require membership. Uh, now all these, remember the places and we're going to have Rob Hahn back on to talk a little bit more about this. Um, mm. for those of you who couldn't come to the summit or missed, uh, his session, uh, cause a lot of people were sad that they, they had missed that one afterwards. You thought it was going to be boring and then it really it wasn't boring and everyone was talking about it and you missed it. But, um, There's a lot of MLSs that require realtor membership in order to access the MLS. And so that's kind of one of the next battlegrounds to come is if that that holds or whether people will relent in in hopes that the Department of Justice will stop uh, pushing uh, things to change. So any other thoughts, insights on this one from either of you?
0: Just that finally the like flood, it, I feel like everybody's been talking about this for the last year or two. And finally, like once the floodgates kind of opened, people mm-hmm. are following. So it's, um, interesting to see movement on it. And instead of just talking about things, it's like, people are actually starting to take a little action, whether that really makes a difference in how things work yet. But, um, I think eventually they're getting there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's- that's exactly what we were talking about last week. Is just okay. Redfin was the first. Now what's next? And now we're starting to see the domino effect happen a little yeah, bit. Redfin's so. was
1: voluntary is the one distinction. Redfin's was voluntary. Anywhere mm-hmm. in Remax is part of the settlement that they reached on those uh, lawsuits. So they both agreed to pay millions of dollars in fines, as what are in in settlement funds, and then also say we won't make this happen. So that's where some people are like Redfin was just doing it to try to get as far away from this as possible because they don't have much cash to give in a settlement anyway. Oh. Um what what yeah there's lots of unintended consequences that might happen from this. One one example that Rob gave was okay so in theory being able to put I'm not going to offer any money to um uh, to the other agent in, in the transaction sounds like it'll be good to consumers and it'll prevent steering. But actually It might make experience worse was his scenario of like, okay, if I work, if we all, the three of us work in the same office, I'm going to put, I'm not going to pay anyone from, you know, Keller Williams, anything, but everyone else in the Oakley team, like if you bring me one of your buyers, we'll figure something out. I'll tell them like, Hey, this, this whole thing is good enough that you should pay them some money uh, in addition to, as part of the deal. Mm -hmm. So it actually could make things worse, not better. Uh, On the steering front. So I'll let Rob tell the rest of that.
2: Well, and going back to what you said earlier about like the realtor incentives that people are pushing, there's like people with power that will just throw money and there will be the steering will be occurring. So I'm interested to see how that plays out.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Things we love, things we hate. That's how we close out every show. now on
0: well I already talked about mine mine's my woobles if you need something to get off your phone go do a wooble crochet a wooble Mm. (laughs) it was
2: really cute mine is I was also influenced similar to Julie I had been waiting for prime day to happen so that I could get my Bissell little green if you don't know what that is it's like a portable upholstery cleaner carpet cleaner spot cleaner for pets and whatnot Um, but when we moved into our new house, we have these chairs that we've had since we lived in Texas, which was like three, four moves ago and they have, they're old, they've been in use, but they've also been in storage through a couple of houses. And so they are stained and I also have children, so they are stained. And so I just really wanted to bring them back to life now that we have them in use in this house and that little thing, it did its job.
0: Was the water gross afterwards were you like it
2: it honestly I was a little concerned because it didn't I only did two chairs as a test to see and I have to go back and do them again like out on the patio so that I can like really get the sides but I showed my husband and I took a picture beforehand and then we looked at it after and we were like holy cannoli it actually worked um I should post like a before and after but I'm a little embarrassed by the before
1: (laughs) My parents used to have their main vacuum cleaner was a rainbow. Have anyone of you heard of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um it's like one of the last things that was sold door to door by like vacuum salesmen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was like the best product demo ever because you fill it up with clean water and then you just vacuum. And there are no bags, and the vacuum just goes through this big water thing in the center. Mm-hmm. but like how much dirt you really need to put in water to make it look filthy is not a lot of dirt not a lot of dirt and so it's just like ew it's so gross but b- bistles are great they're great machines um i'm going to try to solve everyone's terrible audio problems everywhere i we we all love and we cheer all of you when you make great content uh for social or uh, video work but a lot of you really have to pay attention to your audio game because when, when it sounds like this from far away and you're trying to talk about your imaging, It doesn't translate and no one wants to watch that. And it's it's just like, it's, it's painful. Um, I'll, I'll, almost every content creator we've ever interviewed and we talk about like, which is more important, the photo image quality or the sound quality. They're like, oh, you can't fix sound nearly as easily as you can fix image after you shoot it. Um, so this is the latest iteration of the road wireless uh, family. It's called the Pro. It's $399. And that sounds like it's a lot of money and it is a lot of money, but just the two lav mics that come with it, if you were to buy those separately are $200. See what I just did there in that justification? It's it's, <laughs> it's basically like free. The case now charges um, every everything else in, in the... So you just have one charging case, uh, an accessories case. You get two different receivers and one uh, transmitter. So you put the one transmitter on uh, your camera and it comes with all the cables to attach this to an iPhone uh, with a lightning cable or USB-C and Android. So these are the same things you'll watch on YouTube where people just clip and it has like a fuzzy uh, mm-hmm. uh, dead cat on the side. You don't even have to use um, a lab mic. It's just an all around easy tool. The batteries last forever. It also has... Um, uh, 32-bit float, which, technically speaking, that just means there is <laughs> yeah. Best Beth, like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 32-bit float is just like super high uh, quality recording, so that it can't clip at and in terms of going too high or too low, it can cover all of the all of the sounds and give you the chance in post to choose what you want or don't want. So, no more someone screaming in it just going. Crazy. Um, mm. It has time coding to sync up with video. Like Olivia, you're like, yeah, let's get some of those for convert It's awesome. It's what everyone should have if you're doing any consistent amount of video work out on the field, especially. Cool. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. How about that? There, I
2: like that better. See ya. Bye.
1: See ya. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.duconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.